Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Wears Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. You would open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. This is God's Word. The Lord abhors dishonest scales, but accurate weights are His delight. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless makes a straight way for them, but the wicked are brought down by their own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. When a wicked man dies, his hope perishes. All he expected from his power comes to nothing. The righteous man is rescued from trouble, and it comes on the wicked instead. With his mouth, the godless destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, There are shouts of joy. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. For lack of guidance, a nation falls. But many advisors make victory sure. He who puts up security for another will surely suffer. But whoever refuses to strike hands and pledge is safe. A kind-hearted woman gains respect, but but ruthless men gain only wealth. And a kind man benefits himself, but a cruel man brings trouble on himself. The wicked man earns deceptive wages, but he who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. The truly righteous man attains life, but he who pursues evil goes to his death. The Lord detests men of perverse heart, but he delights in those whose ways are blameless. Be sure of this. The wicked will not go unpunished, but those who are righteous will go free. Like a gold ring and a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. The desire of the righteous ends only in good, but the hope of the wicked only in wrath. One man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. 
a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. People curse the man who hoards grain, but blessing crowns him who is willing to sell. He who seeks good finds goodwill, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. He who brings trouble on his family will inherit only wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. If the righteous receive their due on earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Well, there are a lot of Proverbs there, and yesterday we looked at groups of verses. There are just a few groups that we're going to focus on this morning, but I want to start with verse 1, because one of the most amusing misunderstandings of this verse that I've ever seen in my life was when I was teaching 8th grade Bible, and I called on the home of one of our students, and um, I, I was in their home, and the daughter, 8th grade daughter, had put a, uh, a Bible verse on the door of the refrigerator. And, uh, and this was the verse. The Lord abhors dishonest scales, but accurate weights are his delight. She was trying to control her weight. She was trying to diet. And so she had found a verse in the Bible that had to do with weight and scales. Because every time she got on the scale, she felt like she needed to be more careful what she ate. And, and it is good to be careful what you eat, and it is good to want to take care of your body, but that's not what this verse is about, okay? This verse is saying, don't cheat other people. Because if your scales are dishonest, if they're not fixed so that they balance correctly, so that if somebody is is buying from you, they're getting what you promised. If you have weights and it says on the weight six ounces, but it's really only five ounces because you've rigged the scales, God hates that. God hates it when people cheat. God hates it when people lie. That's what this verse is about. But I want you to see something else. Look at the second phrase in that first verse. It says, but accurate weights are his delight. When you're honest, God loves it. You're modeling him. You're behaving like God. Because God is always honest. God always tells the truth. All his promises are sure. You can trust every word of God. So when you do the right thing, whether it's in school, whether it's in business, whether it's in your relations with your mate or your kids or your parents or your neighbors or your government, if you'll be honest, God delights in that. Sometimes we go around feeling like, you know, well, just, you know, the fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom and I'm really pretty terrified actually. No, you're misunderstanding the fear of the Lord. I definitely don't want to do something that God abhors, 
but I also rejoice in the fact that God makes it possible for me to do stuff that causes him to say, well done, good and faithful servant, good job. God isn't just standing there with a stick waiting to clobber people when they get out of line. God delights, he delights in people doing things honestly. Accurate weights are his delight. You see that? Please understand that. So when you've done something that's like, oh, but even so, I'm, I'm sure I still somehow fail to measure up. God is able to delight in his children doing the right thing. Folks, it's a great privilege for me to be able to come each evening and bring God's Word on these stations. But if you listen regularly, you know that my life day-to-day is involved in trying to minister to kids who come from very difficult situations. I want to ask you to please help us. Contact us at wvr.org and find out how you can be part of the miracle. Please help us help these children. To step out of my comfort zone to the realm of the unknown where Jesus is. Verse 2, don't get stuck up about it, because when pride comes, then comes disgrace. (laughs) I did it right. I used accurate weights. I am so good. I am so righteous. I do things right. Oh, oh, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. When we have done what we're supposed to do and the Lord delights in us, You know what we need to say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Humility is not about saying, I am such a worm, I'm just no good, I can't do anything right, I'm just such a mess, I'm just always, always doing it wrong, I just can't ever get anything right, I, 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 I. It's not humility, humility is seeing yourself soberly in light of God's grace, agreeing with Him in what He says, and that is that we are desperately in need of His grace, but that He has chosen to adopt us into His family and make us His dearly loved children. Humility involves recognizing your position in Christ, but realizing that you owe it all to Him. Okay? And then your focus is less and less on you and more and more on Him. So with humility comes wisdom. That is another way of saying the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because if you fear the Lord in a biblical sense, you will be humble. You can feel real good about yourself if you compare yourself to the right individuals. You handpick a bunch of scoundrels and all of a sudden you feel pretty good. Yeah, I'm righteous. Yeah, I do the right thing. Yeah, I never do what that person does and I've never launched a genocidal uh, attack on my neighbors. But if you compare yourself to God, real humble. Okay? So with humility comes wisdom. And if you want humility, hang out with God. Get to know Him, and you will be humble. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Look at verse 5. The righteousness of the blameless makes a straight way for them, but the wicked are brought down by their own wickedness. You know what gets people in trouble? 
It's not somebody else. It's their own stupid choices. Nobody made you do that. You're not walking down the street trying to do the right thing and all of a sudden the devil grabs hold of you and I can't control myself. The way the devil gets you to do bad stuff and gets control of your life is you get in the habit of doing what he says. That's what happens. That's how we get messed up. Somebody called me on the phone yesterday and said, pray for me. I'm really struggling because... I have this overwhelming desire to drink alcohol right now. And the person's an alcoholic. And I said, you don't want to drink alcohol. That's why you called me. The reason you called is you don't want to do it. But there is a demon that very much wants you to do it. And you have mistakenly thought that what that demon says for years is what you want to do. You don't want to do that. Folks, let me tell you. The devil can suggest that you do bad stuff, but he can't make you do it unless you yield to him. He can't make you do it. Folks are destroyed, brought down by their duplicity, their own wickedness. And that's why wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. Please understand when it says the day of wrath, we're talking about facing God. When you stand before God and say, hey, I got a lot of money. <laughs> You're going to try and bribe the creator of the universe? God doesn't need any money. God created the universe. He's spoken into being. He has no shortage of power or wealth. For us to think that somehow we're going to be able to use some of the stuff that he made in order to bribe him, doesn't work. That's why God in the Old Testament told his wicked, rebellious people who were still being very religious in their festivals and so forth, I'm sick of smelling the smoke of your sacrifices. It's disgusting. You think you're going to be able to totally disobey what I say and then come over here and bribe me with this. Like I'm going to say, oh, a fatted calf, wow. God says that doesn't work. So please understand, it's the day of wrath we need to be prepared for. And wealth, verse 4, is worthless in the day of wrath. But righteousness delivers from death. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. The righteousness of the blameless makes a straight way for them. But the wicked are brought down by their own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. When a wicked man dies, his hope perishes. All he expected from his power comes to nothing. Apart from God, you can't do anything. And this life is so short compared to eternity, what are you thinking? Live for God. Plan for forever. When a wicked man dies, verse 7, his hope perishes. All he expected from his power comes to nothing. The righteous man is rescued from trouble, and it comes on the wicked instead. Verses 10 and 11 talk about the benefit of righteous people within a culture. 
When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. If our country is going to the dogs right now, and it is, don't blame the wicked. We're supposed to be the salt. And the problem is if the salt loses its savor. We're supposed to be the light, not the pagans. If God's people in a culture will be godly, it'll have a salting influence throughout the culture. But when the people who claim to be God's people start behaving like the world because we want to be like them, that rots everything. And so the problem right now in this country is not the Supreme Court. The problem is in the churches, where people who are supposed to be ministers of God's Word have decided what God's Word says doesn't really matter. We're not going to go with that. We're going to go with what feels good, because we want to be popular and well-liked. And one of the things we're really concerned about is that we still be considered relevant by our kids. You've got a bunch of celebrity preachers who've raised pagan kids, who've abandoned the faith and pursued perversion, and now, instead of standing true and lamenting what's happening with their children and grandchildren and repenting of what they've done wrong, they're saying, oh, uh, uh, well, listen, Papa understands. I, I, I think you kids are cool. Sure, if that's what you want to do, uh, I'm sure God wouldn't mind. That's not loving your kids. That's not loving your grandkids. That's not loving your neighbor. That is hating God. People are headed for destruction. And many who call themselves evangelicals are just saying, can I have a ride? Verse 12, a man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. Pray for me. I want to be wise. And believe me, I'm holding my tongue. And it's hard. Verses 14 and 16 and 17, I'm going to give you a cross-reference. Verse 14, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. Is that true? Yes. But, here's a caveat, they need to be wise advisors. For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure if they are wise advisors. Now, how dare I add something to this verse? Because I read the rest of the book. And I'll give you an example of where this comes into play. Solomon is speaking this proverb to his sons. One of those sons is going to become king. If you want to know what happens, you can read about it in 1 Kings chapter 12. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all the Israelites had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt where he'd fled from King Solomon, he returned from Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam answered, Go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. 
Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them favorable, a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? The young men who had grown up with him replied, tell these people who have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, I will scourge you with scorpions. What do you suppose happened to him? He lost 10 out of 12 tribes. So the son who's being told these things by his father Solomon goes out and by failing to do what his father says proves that his father was right. Verse 24 through 26. One man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. People curse the man who hoards grain, but blessing crowns him who is willing to sell. Two things. One is generosity reaps benefits. Okay? The other is you can be generous just by being willing to engage in capitalistic enterprise. Is it better to just give somebody some money or to give somebody a job? It's better to give them a job. Well, I, I really just would prefer the money. Well, then I would not be helping you by giving your money because you're an addict and you don't know what to do with it. But if I give you a job, I'm helping you. And what does he say here? He doesn't say you've got to give your grain away. He says be willing to sell it. What happens when you put your grain on the market? The price comes down. Why does the price come down? Because the supply is increased. Supply and demand is such that if we increase supply, prices go down so people get more for less price. That's capitalism. It works. It's even biblical. I think there's a bunch of stuff in there, too, about kind of a socialistic approach where they shared their stuff. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I think we could even call it communism. And it's good if it's voluntary within a community of people who are covenanted together. It's called the commonwealth. And that is a good thing, but it's voluntary. It is not government-imposed socialism. So... Uh, uh, read verse 28. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Is the solution to America's problems capitalism's rebirth? No. It's righteousness. It's people doing what is right, doing things God's way. Verse 27 is one I wish I had time to expound this morning. He who seeks good finds goodwill, but evil comes to him who searches for it. If what you're looking for is bad stuff, you'll find it. It's out there. There's plenty to go around. But if what you're looking for is the good, you'll find it. It's out there. The fool will be servant to the wise, is the second part of verse 29. 
The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. God teaches us to care about people. That's why he who wins souls is wise. If the righteous receive their due on earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner? I want to remind you what we said at the start. God hates sin. God hates lies. But please understand, he delights when we get it right. Please understand that. And rejoice in it. Because God makes it possible for us to do the right thing. By his grace, by his power, you can do the right thing. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.